0: And chapter 6 at the very end had had one of the most beautiful blessings that comes from God to Moses and Aaron. That was to be pronounced over the people. Again, the the logical um, uh, steps that God is taking, organizing the people, the army, the Levites, the tabernacle, how it's going to be taken down and set up and all that. And now they're about to move out. So this is a logical next step, and that's blessing the people. God wants the priests to bless these people before they begin their journey uh, in the, to the promised land. And so I've, I wanted to go back tonight to those last verses in chapter 6. I, we talked about five minutes about them last week, and I'm not going to go that long tonight. We're going to have some worship time at the end of this, but um, I really wanted to focus on that. And I've, I've titled this section God's Wonderful Blessing. We're going to look at chapter 6, verses 20 through two through 27 tonight let's ask God's blessing as we study father what a blessing it is to have your word to have its truth read publicly studied uh, in this free place Lord we, we have the freedom to worship and the freedom to study your word and we're grateful I pray God that you would teach us tonight the truths from your word we humble ourselves before you We are so grateful that we have a Bible in our hands. And tonight, Lord, as we read it, as it's read to us, may your Holy Spirit make alive its truth to our own hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, before we look at those verses, I I just wanted to kind of talk briefly about the vow of the Nazarite, which is the first 21 verses. So last week we studied this, but I just wanted to, I love the vow, and and it's parallel to the New Testament believer, the Christian, those of us that are born again. It's just so beautiful. It's a fantastic vow. Remember, God established it for men and women, and and I heard from some of you that you'd never heard that before, that, that the Nazarite vow could be a vow that a woman could vow consecrating herself, dedicating herself to the service of the Lord. And uh, again, so far in the book of Numbers, we studied if you were a man, you, you could fight. If you were a man, you were counted. If you were a Levite and a man, you could serve the Lord in His temple. What about the sisters? You know? and, and they are very, very busy, by the way, supporting Uh, Their husbands—they're very busy doing all kinds of ministry. You'll see that as we go through. But, but here in this chapter six, we see how the women are involved. They could consecrate themselves. They could dedicate themselves by taking that Nazarite vow. That word Nazir means to be dedicated or separated. And so the vow is really about separating oneself from sin. And the parallel for you and I as New Testament Christians is is as we live this life as Christians, we're to separate ourselves daily from sin. We're not to be involved in known sin, although Christians struggle with sin, just like because we have the sin nature, we struggle with that. But we're not to be uh, um, doing those kinds of things on a regular basis. Well, these people had dedicated themselves. They were called the Nazarites, and they dedicated themselves for the, for a brief period of time. Could be for a week. Maybe it could be for a month. maybe Maybe even a year or more. Could be a short-term or even could be a long-term voluntary commitment to serve the Lord more diligently, more seriously. And so these men and women could make that vow. So Samson, Paul the Apostle, Samuel, these are examples of of those that took the vow of the Nazarite. And, of course, John the Baptist was the one that I gave you the illustration of last week. And, again, here's the verse. It's 1 Samuel 1 where Hannah makes the vow. And at the very end, she says, if you'll give me a a, a child, a, a male child, I'll give him back, God, to serve you in her prayer. And she says, and no razor shall come upon his head. (laughs) So this is that Nazarite vow that someone someone would make. They they would vow no wine or any byproduct, raisins of, of grapes. They would vow to not cut their hair during this time. And then they couldn't touch dead bodies. All of those things they were to isolate themselves from, separate themselves from. And the vow, as we've discovered, is very public. Obviously, people could see your hair if it was long, you know, and, oh, you must be a Nazarite. Well, that's cool, you know, and and you're committing yourself to the Lord. And at a party, they wouldn't drink or at the dinner table, they wouldn't have wine. Oh, you must be a Nazarite. It was a very public vow, and, and people knew that they were committed to the Lord. And then the chapter ended with a really interesting ceremony to end the vow. And it was real interesting because if they successfully completed their vow, they would take a, a sacrifice to the priest, then they would cut their hair off. And that, that signified to the public, again, that, that their vow was completed. They finished their vow. And they would take the hair, remember, and they would burn it uh, at the altar. So all of that stuff was public. And and I wanted just to mention that again as we get into our study um, about how important it is for you and I to be seen as Christians in the public eye. And people should see and recognize that we are different and separate, that we are committed and dedicated to Jesus Christ. I, I love what Jesus said in Matthew. And I've got the verse behind me on the screen. It's Matthew 5. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That really should be our vow as New Testament believers, that we should want God to be glorified. And so we're going to let our light shine. The the things, um, I'm, uh, the things that I'm doing that bring honor and glory to the Lord, I'm just going to let them shine. Instead of living for myself, I'm going to live for the Lord, and then other people will know that I'm a believer, a Christian. Now, tonight, I want to go to the end of this chapter, verse 22, there, and look at this blessing. This is God's wonderful blessing. And again, this text fortifies the fact that God wants His people to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed, He wants me to be blessed, He wants His people to be blessed. He wants us to be a blessed people because we have a blessing God. Our God is a blessing God. He wants to bless people. He he desires to pour out his blessing on his people. But this ancient blessing that we're going to be looking at tonight is, is really important because we see that it's not restricted for only the ancient Hebrew to who it's written in this text. But this blessing was to go on through the generations of priests and right up into the modern day. We should be a blessing to other people, but we should have this blessing read over us. And I I love this blessing. It's a blessing of joy and grace and peace. It's, It's just a beautiful, beautiful truth here. So. We're going to use this blessing, and I'm going to teach you the song that I sang with Esther last week. We're gonna, I'm going to teach you that at the end of the, my study, and then we're going to sing a couple more worship songs and worship the Lord. But, but the blessing here that we're going to be reading, it really, it's a reminder that God wants to meet our needs. He wants to provide for us. He, he is a blessing God. Let's read together verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. So this blessing comes from God and he commands it very specifically here. Verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Now, in the Bible, there are several words for uh, uh, bless. Uh, The one Hebrew word that we're reading tonight is the, the Hebrew word barak. It's barak, and it means... To praise, to congratulate, to salute. And it has that idea. It's first used in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 22. And and it's this same word, Barak, when God blesses the sea creatures that He's just created and all the fowl of the air. And He says to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And He blesses them. That word Barak comes up in that verse 22 of Genesis chapter 1. And then again, in Genesis 1, God gives a similar blessing, and he gives it to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. It's, this, it's the same blessing, and that word, again, Barak, is used. And when God called Abraham to go to the promised land in Genesis 12, he said it again. Here it is behind me on the screen. I will make you a great nation. I will barack you, bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And, and all or in, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. They will be prospered. They will be praised. They will be saluted, that word Barak. Very interesting uh, word. So that word really has the idea of of, uh, blessing and bringing welfare and peace and happiness and joy and fulfillment in life. That really is the meaning of that word in, in its context. Now, everything we've studied up Tell now in chapter one through chapter six is about, again, God organizing and preparing his people to move out on this journey. And that's what makes this blessing unusual, because you would think that these people would now get together and they say, well, we got to go out there in the desert. We don't know what's out there. There might be enemies out there. We need to pray and ask God. We need to make supplications. We need to make intercessions. We need to begin get on our knees and weep and cry and, and cry out to the Lord. And you would think that God might put together this massive prayer rally with all the people so that they could ask you know, that God would prepare and, and lead them on their journey, maybe a national day of prayer. But before the people pray, this is the important part, God steps in and he blesses the people. That's the kind of God we have. He's leading. He's leading every step of the way these people. He's leading them. He loves them. He wanted to be with them. He had them build this tabernacle for him to be in their midst. He wanted to be right in the middle of their national life. And so instead of Listing off of a lot of things in a prayer meeting, making supplication, God begins to bless them. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bless them. It's a beautiful truth. God's heart is revealed right here that God is a blessing God, and he wants to bless you and I. I mean, who among us tonight, don't raise your hand, but who doesn't want to be blessed by God? We want his blessing. We want his affirmation. We want his direction in our life. God is a gracious and loving God. The same God in the Old Testament is in the New. Jesus just revealed the heart of God in his compassion and his love and his healing and all that he did. He just reveals the heart of God in his grace. Now, Here in verse 22, my first point is this command, the command to bless. It's Moses and Aaron. And all of their priestly descendants after them are commanded to bless. Again, look at verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying that this is the way that you shall bless the children of Israel. So God had a specific way that he wanted the blessing to be said and then he wanted it to be repeated over and over and over again for generation after generation. So he's beginning this blessing here with his people, but he wants this to continue. Aaron and his sons, and this is how he wants you to continue to bless them. Now, a traditional Jewish blessing is always done with arms upraised, palms held out, fingers spread apart. Looking up to God with your face facing him. And we'll, you'll notice later on in this that, that these pe- the blessing is that God's face would be upon them. They're looking at God, and God is looking at them. It's a beautiful picture of prayer. But the blessing is done by the priest, and he would hold his hands out, and he would begin his blessing, and he's blessing the people. And then he begins to look at the people, and he's blessing the people with his voice. And speaking these words of blessing right Directly to them. In Leviticus chapter 9, let me just show you this. Here's a, a traditional blessing. It's Aaron. He lifted his hands toward the people, he blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. So they would do the sacrificial offering and then they would come out and say, oh, the Lord bless thee. The Lord keep thee. May the Lord's face shine upon you. He's forgiven you of your sin. You know, it's a beautiful blessing. And the people, especially if you were, you know, a bad dude, and, and you, you were sinning, and, and you knew that w- what you did was wrong, and you brought the biggest offering because you were the biggest sinner in the crowd. So when, when Moses and Aaron came out, and they looked at you, and they said, may the Lord bless you, you were like, oh, thank God for that. I've been forgiven. I've been blessed. It was something these people really looked forward to, and God commanded it. And you remember the last thing that Jesus does before his ascension, with his disciples is to bless them. It's in Luke 24. Here it is behind me on the screen. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. You've seen the pictures maybe in museums or on, on uh, some artwork where Jesus is glowing, his feet are off the ground, you know, and he's ascending into heaven. You've seen the kind of the artist rendering of that. And his hands are out like this. He's blessing the, the disciples as he leaves. Don't worry, I'll, I'll always be with you to the ends of the age. And he he floats up into and ascends into heaven. It's a beautiful picture of, of the ascension. But Jesus holding out his hands and blessing the people. So Moses and Aaron here in number six are commanded now to bless the people. God loves his people, and he wants his leaders to bless the people as well. And one of the things that comes through loud and clear as I study this passage and as we read it tonight is the source, my next point, the source of the blessing. It's in the beginning of verse 24, 25, and 26. And it's spoken three specific times. Verse 24, the Lord bless you. Yahweh is the the name. The Lord, verse 25, make his face to shine upon you. Verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And then look at verse 27. I love this. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel. And then the emphatic, and I will bless them. Isn't that beautiful? This blessing, the source of the blessing, five times in this little tiny section of Scripture, God makes it very clear that he and he alone desires to put his name on his people. He wants to associate with his people. He wants to bless his people. And truth is, if these Hebrew peoples would have, if they, they should have, they could have, if they would have just received that blessing and, and lived under that blessing, they would have had a total different experience in the desert. Wouldn't you agree? Because this book of Numbers, really, as we get into it, It's a book of murmuring. It's a book of grumbling. It's a book of complaining. We want to go back to Egypt. The food isn't good. We want to go back to Egypt. At least we had a plenteous water water source for our herds. We want to go back to complain, complain, murmuring. If they would have only taken this blessing to heart and received the blessing, I think sometimes we're the same way. God wants to bless us, and yet we find it so easy to moan and complain and gripe rather than just to receive the blessing of God and thank him for whatever it is we're going through. Thank him for the trial, the difficulty, and be like Brother Job who said, even if you slay me, God, I will still praise you. I love that about Job. If only these people would have received that blessing Maybe they wouldn't have been so complaining or murmuring. Now, I think that oftentimes, and I I speak for myself and and for those of you that I've spoken to, um, that God oftentimes, as we... um, hear his blessing, and we hear it over and over again, we kind of get numb. Things get into a normal routine in our lives, and we, we, we get into a rut. And instead of hearing the Lord and his blessings, we hear the grind of our own wheels and our own worries and our own struggles. But we need to understand that God wants to bless us, and he has blessed us. He's blessed us with everything that we need. We need to really believe that in our daily lives. They would be dramatically different if we woke up in the morning and said, God, you've given me breath for a new day. God, you've given me fingers that work. You know, there's people that don't have hands. You've given me eyes to see. There are blind people around us. And even though maybe it's hard for you to get up and walk a little bit, at least you can walk. My father had a bipolar stroke, and for 13 years he could barely speak. He could get up and walk. Couldn't eat, couldn't feed himself, couldn't find his mouth, you know, because he had that stroke. But at least he could walk. And we'd get him up and walk him around the house, you know, and he'd walk to his chair, and he'd walk to the restroom. He'd, my mom would get him out and walk down the street, and he'd go down a few houses and turn around and walk home because he was tired, but at least he could walk. He was thankful that he could walk. And sometimes we just get in a rut, and we're just not thankful. We end up being like these people murmuring, grumbling and complaining about our life. Instead of saying, "God, you've you're given me breath today. Praise the Lord, I can see. I can see the beautiful blue sky or the, even the clouds in the rain and feel it on my face. Thank you, Lord, for life you've given me the blessings that you poured out upon me." Do you see the difference? And I think sometimes we end up like these people, grumbling and complaining, rather than being thankful for all that God provides for us. God's a blessing God, and he desires to just lavish his blessings upon you and me. And oftentimes it's our attitude. We don't receive it, like, just like these people that didn't really receive it. But notice here, as we read this blessing in verses 24 and 326, it's, it's really a triune blessing, and I mentioned this last week, but I wanted to go into it a, a little more detail. This blessing is done in three different parts. There's three different times you hear the Lord bless, the Lord, three different times, indicating that we have a triune blessing here, at the very least. Deuteronomy 6, 4, you've Read it. This is the, the Hebrew Shemai, the prayer I prayed every morning in a Hebrew home. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God. But one God manifest in three persons. In verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. That's God the Father. All the blessings originate from Him, His His eternal Plan who chose, you've been chosen in him from the foundations of the world, God's eternal plan of salvation. Verse 24, verse 25, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. It's the grace of Jesus Christ, the grace of the Son of God that we experience and we have salvation. So you have God the Father, you have the grace of God the Son, and then verse 26, the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's God the Holy Spirit the peace that we have, comes from the Holy Spirit. He does a work in our life. Again, God the Father is the Lord, and God the Son is the Lord. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, Jesus is Lord. There's no doubt about it. The Bible confirms that God, the Holy Spirit, is the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So the Holy Spirit is the Lord. And in Mark's gospel, like I showed you last week, we see the Trinity powerfully displayed in the the, uh, baptism of Jesus. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw in the heavens parting, the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. There's the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Father from heaven You are my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased, and there Jesus is being baptized. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And in the Old Testament, we have it right here. Verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. Again, that's the God, the Father. He planned our salvation. He's the source of all blessings. The ladies are studying right now in Ephesians, um, and Paul tells the believers in Ephesus in chapter 1 of of Ephesians, that they are blessed, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In other words, the Father has done this work in eternity past. He, He chose us in him before the foundations of the world. That means God did the work. You didn't do the work. Salvation isn't a, 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 isn't a result of religion or man's work. Salvation's source is God, God the Father. And then notice verse 25. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious. Again, Jesus came and he laid down his life for you and I. And we are saved by what? Grace. grace. We're saved by grace. Romans 3.24, look at this verse behind me here, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. So we're saved by grace. In other words, Jesus is the channel of this blessing from the Father, this channel of God's love, a channel of God's grace. And we put our faith and believe in him, we have an immediate relationship with God the Father. Then, then we have God, the Holy Spirit, in verse 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So it's the Holy Spirit who now imparts. It's, it's a really interesting word, but the Holy Spirit imparts uh, all the blessings. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers the believer. It's the Holy Spirit that, that brings truth to the believer. The Holy Spirit's the author of your Bible. The Holy Spirit imparts all the blessings. The, again, the Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. That's the, the spirit gives you and I peace, the peace of God to all believers. One of the names of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is parakletos. You probably heard that. It means comfort, comforter, helper. The parakletos. It's found in John 14, notice behind me on the screen, but the paracletos, the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He, notice it says he. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit's not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He shall teach you all things. A force can't teach you, communicate with you, but he can, a person can, and so the Holy Spirit's a person. He's going to bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I've said to you, Jesus tells his disciples. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because I'm going to leave the comforter, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit who will lead and who will guide you into all things. So we have God the Father, the source of all blessing, we have God the Son, the channel, and then God the Holy Spirit, the, the imparter of all the blessings. The, who would have thought the Trinity, right here in the Old Testament? I love that truth. I love to see God's truth, the Old and New Testament, how parallel they are. Again, God now is commanding here in chapter 6 at the very end. He's commanding his priests to bless his people and that his blessing is really the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God wants to bless his people. He's a blessing God. And in verse 26, the blessing is to give the Hebrew people that are going to go out on this journey, is to give them peace, to give them shalom. Shalom peace. Shalom peace is what they're going to get. It's the word in the Hebrew it means wholeness and goodness and total satisfaction, and, and it involves protection and, and, and uh, preservation. God's going to do all of these things, and he's going to provide for his people. So, again, in the New Testament, the paracletos, the comforter, the helper, gives peace. The abundant life that Jesus promised, it comes from the Lord the Lord, the Lord. I, I, it's, it's such a beautiful Trinitarian portion of Scripture here. Now, I also want you to notice how you can apply this. This is the important part of the uh, learning the Scriptures and studying the Bible. Is what, it, what does it mean for me? So, so what? How, how does this apply to me? And, and, and the blessing here is for you. The blessing was for the Hebrew people, but the blessing is for you as well. It's for you and I tonight. And it's repeated six times. I love this. Again, look at verse 24. I'm going to highlight this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You, 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 Six times. You get the idea that God wants to bless you when you read this. That's the kind of God that we have. He's a blessing God. He wants you to be blessed. And all you have to do is receive that blessing, just to receive the blessing he wants. Now, finally, here in verse 27, notice what God tells Aaron to do. I've titled it, Put My Name on My People. I love this. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, who the priest. When the priest blesses the people, they're going to put the Lord, the Lord, the Lord's name on the people, and I will bless them. To be blessed by God is to have his name. To be blessed in the New Testament is to bear the name Jesus, is to believe in Jesus, to put your faith in Christ. To be different because you're a believer in Jesus and you bear his name. You share his name. You speak his name. You sing his name. Your life is all about Jesus. You use your time, your talent, your treasure to glorify, which just means to make bigger, to make bigger the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus in our worship, we lift up the name of Jesus in our Sunday school, in our teaching times. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. And I love what it says here, the priest, they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and and I will bless them. And this was really significant for these people. Remember, these people, they're going to be wandering across borders. And these people, like most nations, unlike us in America, have borders. They have borders. And borders were very important. Israel had borders. Borders are very important to God in the Bible. And they're going to cross borders. And when they go across borders, they're going to have difficulty. Some people don't want them in their country. But God has promised them that land. So they're going to make their way to that land. So what's going to make them so different than every other nation around them? It's going to be this blessing on their lives. God is going to bless them. He's going to bless them and make them different than everybody else. People are going to look at them and say, These are the people, these are the people that we heard about. They went across the Red Sea, their God parted the Red Sea. These are the people that, that they've been out in the desert for all this time, 40 years, and God provided water. There's no water out there. God was blessing his people so that the people, they're marked. So all the people around, the surrounding nations, all these surrounding nations, knew that these were God's people. They were blessed. They were marked. God put his name on his people. They were identified by God's wonderful attributes as well. Just as we should be, by the way, love, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. We should be identified with God in that way as well. Paul tells the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. God has blessed us with everything that we need. Have you received that blessing? Do you believe that God really wants to bless you or are you one of the like the children of Israel, the Hebrews, that were whining and moaning and complaining about their hardship and all their difficulty. God, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back into sin. Really? You think your life was better before? All the things that you were involved in that God saved you from? You don't want to go back to that stuff. You want to receive the blessing now. So people, we need to be that way. God has the power. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. We just need to appropriate those blessings in our lives. There's a story I was trying to relate the other night about a a boy whose mother bought him passage on a, a ship from England to New York. And he got on the boat and went to his room and stayed in his room. He went to the dining room and saw people eating, but he didn't have any money to buy any food. Day after day, as the ship sailed, he he got hungrier and hungrier. And by the time he got to New York, he was starving. And when he got to New York, the relatives told him, "Well, didn't you know that the passage that your mother paid this ticket included all the food?" He didn't know it. He was starving. It's like a Christian. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings that originate from heaven. You have all those. You just need to live in it. You need to realize that God is a blessing God. You need to realize and live in that place where you know you're blessed and and thank God for that daily. Trust in the Lord and, and live in that blessing. And then... If you're marked by that blessing, shouldn't you also be a blessing to those around you? And so that's the question tonight. Here's a good question. Are you a blessing to those people around you? Are you a blessing to your family? Or are you a complainer and murmurer like some of the children of Israel Tonight, I want to teach you this song. I sang it last week, and I I just want to teach you this song. I've got the words behind me on the screen, so let's pull those words up. I'm going to end our service with this song. If you've been a part of Calvary Chapel for more than, I'd say, probably 15 years, it's been a long time since we've sang this song on a regular basis. When I first came here, we sang it all the time. This was, this was the doxology. This was the benediction of our, of our service. And, and in some Calvary chapels today, this, you'll, if you go to another church somewhere on a vacation to travel, you might end up singing this song at the end of the service. Pastor Chuck was sang this all the time. In pastor's conferences that I went to in the last 30 years, I've been to many, and Pastor Chuck would get up and just sing this song before his going home. And so if you know it, sing it. If you don't, I want you to learn it. Um, I should ask Esther. Esther, would you come up here? (laughs) She's laughing. Because we echo. We we used to sing these songs and we'd echo. There's a mic right here, hon. And you can stand next to me. You don't have to stand far away. Esther and I, we used to sing this song all the time. This was like standard um, Calvary Chapel Sunday night song. And so I'm just going to ask her to help because she used to help all the time. There. This is blue. So here, here's how this song goes it goes like this The Lord bless thee, the Lord bless thee. and
1: keep thee. And The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee, be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance Upon
0: thee and give thee peace. Okay, let's do it together now so that we break this up into two different groups. The guys sing and then the girls sing. Here we go, guys. The Lord bless thee and keep thee.
1: The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance. Upon
0: thee and give thee peace. Isn't that a beautiful song? What a treasure. And I, if you've never heard that, we'll still have to start singing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. We're going to do a couple more songs. Um, they're going to lead us in a couple songs. But what a, what a wonderful blessing. It's certainly my heart for you as a congregation that the Lord would bless you and keep you. His face would shine down upon you and that he would give you peace. Let's pray and then we'll sing some songs together. Father, what a blessing to stop tonight and just look at these verses. To be reminded that you are a blessing God. That you desire to bless each and every one. And Lord, we receive that blessing tonight. And we're grateful for it. We ask that you'd help us to be a blessing to other people. We pray, Lord, that you would would help us in in seeing uh, people around us and being so much more optimistic as believers. So help us, Lord, and we thank you for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your many, many blessings, and we Give you thanks and praise. In Jesus we pray. Amen.